0: Welcome to Break Away from the Rat Race, a podcast series to awaken your entrepreneurial spirit and help you achieve financial freedom. On our show, you'll learn about investments and how to create passive income. Let's get started with your host, Eric Martel. Well, thank you, Kyla, and welcome to our very first episode of Break Away from the Rat Race. And as Kyla mentioned in the intro, our goal is uh, to help you achieve financial freedom freedom and uh, we're going to do that by helping you and talking about different ways in which you can generate uh, passive income and then once this passive income goes uh, is greater than your expenses then you've this is our goal basically achieving what we call financial freedom and uh, For, I'd like to kind of explain also what we call the the show breakaway from the rat race because uh, and maybe some of you are not familiar with the rat race it's just maybe a little bit an older term but um, basically the rat race if you imagine a rat or a hamster in a cage uh, they used to have or they still do have a wheel in uh, in the cage and then you would have the hamster kind of run on that wheel and that's kind of uh, the idea here is that you have uh, a hamster or a rat that is running and uh, running as hard as it can without really going anywhere and uh, we just feed it just enough so that it uh, keeps on running on that wheel but um, so that's uh, kind of the idea here and uh, it kind of corresponds to the idea of living paycheck with paycheck uh and then also at the point where you want to retire and stuff that, enough having enough not having enough money for retirement is uh, kind of the the other point to it and um so i know it sounds a little bit dark and uh starting like that but uh there's light at the end of the tunnel and this uh, podcast series where we're going to talk about all kinds of different ways in which you can generate passive income uh, so that uh you can work less and maybe eventually not work at all and still cover your expenses uh but first uh so for this podcast i would like to introduce myself a little bit um so i was born from uh, a low what i would call a lower middle class family um, so I think that at that time, you know, uh, there was, I don't know if there was a middle class actually, but uh, it didn't feel like it. So that's why, but we were not poor, but we were definitely living paycheck to paycheck. My parents worked very hard. Both parents worked very hard and very uh, and really living paycheck to paycheck. At retirement, what happens? My parents had basically no savings, right? So they had their house. And then they had the pension. I mean, luckily, my father was working for a company that had a pension. Nowadays, uh, the the pension that we have is 401k. He had a he had a, which is defined contribution um, kind of a pension. He had a defined benefit uh, pension, which is much more generous. Uh, but you re- you don't see that anymore. Not too often, anyway. Um, <clears throat> so luckily, he was working for that company, and uh, so that provided him with a significant, uh, pension. Um, so when he retired, then he was fine. But if he had to rely on his savings, like we, most of us have to do today, we have to rely on our savings, uh, to, uh, to achieve retirement, then, you know, this is a little bit trickier. Um, so my parents believed that if you worked hard and saved your money, you'll be okay. So this is what their parents told them, just work hard and you'll be okay. Right. So it's because often you were working in the farm, you were working in the factory. So, you know, that that was enough. Um, And then but what they taught me, I mean, they realized that it was not really a good plan and they were seeing that the world was changing. Um, So what they taught me was a little bit different. And they say, get a great education, work hard, save your money, and then everything is going to be okay. So they had realized that things had changed a little bit so um you know so that's the great education work hard obviously you know now they got a sense that education is more is becoming more and more important and, and we're going to talk again in another episode about the impact of education in uh, in your behavior but also um you know as a child i mean i learned from their behavior so they used to complain about money all the time. Again, when you live paycheck to paycheck, you know, if you uh, if you're missing ten bucks and you can't pay the electricity bill, you know, they go pretty hard on you, and it doesn't look good. So, um, so they would keep the money in the bank where it is safe. Uh, that was kind of like their tendency. Uh, so saving uh, in those days, I think they even had like interest rate. If you put money in the bank, you would actually get a little bit of interest. So that was we don't have that anymore do we so um so that's a little bit different but um yeah so that was kind of their mentality so the safe it was all about being safe they were also they also saw their parents in the the great depression so it was really fresh in their mind 1929 and how their parents were impacted uh by by that crisis so um so because of that they felt you know, that putting money in the bank and saving money and having cash was really important, but they couldn't really save that much. And, um, so every time they had a little bit of an emergency, then it would take away from that. And then you can see that, you know, that kind of a self, it's a reinforcing mechanism that, oh, that's a good thing that I save money. Because if I didn't have it, then I would go into, um, into trouble whatever. So that's, uh, that's kind of the idea credit card not they didn't like credit cards Um, I think they came a little bit later but you know they uh, they really didn't trust the credit card and uh, definitely do not they would not invest in anything the stock market first of all was too complicated Um, and they thought it was a scam and then um, that uh, you know they couldn't they couldn't trust anything of course fear and uh, not understanding and not having the knowledge they are very closely related so if you don't know something if you don't know the stock market if you don't know anything about the stock market so you're going to try to stay away from the stock market you're going to be afraid of the stock market and you're not going to invest in it so that's going to be the tendency and uh, obviously the other way you could do it is to learn more about the stock market find a mentor that's going to help you um, understand what how the stock market works and then decide if you want to make an investment or not so their other belief was that rich people got rich by cheating so they were cheating people or stealing and then there's no way you can do it honestly and uh, all of that and it depends on, uh, on a lot of different um, kind of like uh, philosophy or ideas part of some people believe that making a profit is uh is immoral so you should make a profit and uh So you know that's one aspect of it. Other people and uh, groups believe that profit is fine, but up to a certain point, then it becomes kind of obscene. So there's the two extreme. Uh, But uh, really, obviously, profit is something that is uh, that must be uh, you you must have in order to to survive and to uh, to to make a great investment. So this is obviously something that I have to fight for for my parents making a profit was something that was kind of cheating kind of stealing from people which is you know um which is not true in my which is not my current belief system let's just put it that way and of course you all heard of money doesn't bring happiness you know and my comeback obviously is that uh you know well it sure helps uh, but uh, not having money doesn't bring happiness either i did forget to mention that um living paycheck to paycheck that doesn't bring happiness um so you know might as well have a little bit of extra money um and you know when we're talking about financial freedom we're not talking about making billions of dollars uh we want to make enough passive income so that we don't have to work or work less in order to cover our uh, our expenses so that's all we want to do so, and you'll see that when we go through these, um, uh, these, uh, ideas that you can pretty, uh, there's a number of different ways you can do that. And, uh, you don't need to have a billion dollars to, or many, 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 million dollars in order to achieve this. Okay. So we'll talk about that, <clears throat> but you know, so all these things, you probably have heard of all these, um, uh, these sayings or these kind of uh, ideas before these concepts i mean they're pretty antiquated and i think a lot of people actually moved out of that a lot more people right now invest in the stock market a lot of people believe investment and all of that and making a profit but for me in those days i mean this is what i was hearing all the time this is kind of what where i was up until i went to high school and i and, um, i, I uh, then after a couple of years, I think I we started. Uh, I started an investment club. I was uh, one of my teacher was uh, invest an investor in the stock market, and I was very intrigued by that. I wanted to learn more, and he kind of became my mentor at the beginning to explain how the stock market was working and etc. And then I created this an investment club where we pool our money with a bunch of uh, friends and uh we invested in the stock market in those days i think it was like the commission for buying stocks was like was horrendous it was uh, i forget the number but it was it was not like it is today but uh, anyway so i started an investment club and the goal was obviously to learn about the stock market and uh, we invested in some stock and that was really fascinating to me and uh, i really enjoyed that not only because we buy a stock and uh, then you see the stock go up or down etc what really interested me is the ability to learn about so many different businesses and having their financial reports uh, all their disclosure about how they operate their businesses looking at all the numbers uh, behind it i thought that was fascinating and this was my first uh, real kind of like, uh, how should I say that, like exposure to business. Okay, well, this is great. This is a great business. Look at how they make money. Look at how their expenses are. Look at their revenue. Look at their strategy, et cetera. And um, then I, that's when I decided that this is something that I want to, um, I want to do. I want to, uh, to make a company, make a business uh, to, to do something like that. At university, uh, I uh, studied, you know, actuarial science. So I was, uh, if you're not familiar with actuarial science, this is basically uh, the su- the study of uh, mathematics, uh, financial uh, financial information or finance, and uh, probability and statistics. So it's kind of combining these three elements. Um, into one science and typically the work that you do as an actuary is work for an insurance company or work for a pension plan or um, you can also work for yeah insurance companies or like a car or uh, house insurance so you can that's what we would do we would calculate the reserve or calculate the premium for uh for these uh, these companies i really liked it again more math uh, and the finance aspect of it. And then with my, um, the me reading the the stock market and getting the financial, uh, financial information and the annual report for, for these companies and really reading them and understanding what they were doing. I thought that was, um, I was reading a ton of those. So I really, I really enjoyed that. And, um, but during my first year, so that was kind of like the track I was going for but uh, during the first year of university um so i had a girlfriend and her uh, her mother is oh my god it's so complicated but my girlfriend at the time had a her mother was going out with a, a guy that was a real estate investor and um uh, he was fascinating to me and um he was a regular college uh like uh, so we have a junior college so he was just a teacher at a junior college and he ha- he had a specific approach for for investment. I mean, he was always thinking uh, kind of. I wouldn't say necessarily out of the box, but he was really thinking a lot about how to solve his problems. And he would come up with some interesting ways of uh, of solving problems sometimes. But um, really, I mean, his main uh, main skill, I would say, is that. He would sit down and really identify the problems or that he had to solve, and then he would look at all kinds of different alternatives, and then he would pick a couple and then kind of explore them a little bit deeper. So it was very, very interesting to me. And uh, he became my mentor <clears throat> at, uh, at that time during university and um uh, you know there was in those days there was all these ads about oh buys buy houses no money down and all of that and uh, so i was intrigued by that and uh, and then i had talked to some realtors and they said oh, that's not possible blah blah blah, but you know this uh my mentor told me well it is possible i mean you know you just have to you know there's different methods of doing it and blah 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 and he explained a couple of different ways of that this can be accomplished and one of those ways was uh, a seller financing so you would get a first mortgage and then you can get seller financing for the rest of the mortgage uh the rest of the purchase price of the house so after he told me that then i went to a realtor and i kind of worked with a realtor and i, I looked at uh, rental property so i wanted to have a rental property that was cash flow positive and work with no money down so I had made some assumption, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of calculated. Um, I looked at a couple of uh, these properties that my the realtor that I was working with was uh, suggesting to me. And then everyone that he was showing me said, well, you know, this is not cash flow positive. Well, this one is not going to be cash flow positive. And I was kind of like going through like in details all the time. And, uh, and then he was trying to convince me basically by giving me, you know, a number of properties that would not uh, meet my that would uh, that would not be cash flow positive to show me that oh this is not possible what you're looking for doesn't exist. Um, so I asked him. I said, okay, well, let why don't you give me uh, the, your listings, the MLS uh, listing, and I'm doing this sign because in those days uh, it was not, but well, it was a computer, but it's not like I had I didn't have a laptop. So uh, the, he gave me basically a printout, a binder full of printouts of the MLS uh, listing. and uh, I had to go through them. So there was like hundreds, hundreds of them. And uh, so that was a little bit overwhelming. You, you didn't want to go through the details of it all. So I had kind of like a rule of thumbs where I could really quick, quickly look at a couple of numbers, you know the price, total rent, and I had some assumptions. and then I was able to, you know if this ratio is this, then you know this is something that I want to explore further let me get some water so this is something that I want to explore further so I probably out of that process i probably got you know five or six properties so that's not many out of like hundreds of properties that I looked at uh, there was five or six of them that met my criteria that could be cash flow positive Right. but one of the components obviously was that i had to get seller financing I, that I'm, ass, I'm assuming that i could get so one problem at a time right so i'm assuming that i could get the first mortgage from a bank somewhere so that's past that uh then uh then but the next thing the next critical uh, problem was to figure out um will the seller be willing to give me a second mortgage So do seller financing. So we talked to my realtor, basically contacted them. And there was out of the five or six, there was one of them that was willing to do seller financing. And um, so that's the one I focused on. And then I looked at all the numbers, visited the property and all of that and get all the information that I could. And then we went ahead with the deal. Uh, the next problem was finding the first mortgage. Uh, now I have the, I knew where the second mortgage was I had to find the second mortgage. and um, so all of this was going uh, was happening while I was still at university after uh, at my, on my second year of university. Um, so I still had college classes to go to and all of that so I was pretty busy and um, but you know I, I, that's what I wanted to do. Um, so I met a couple of banks, and then the banks basically rejected me. Um, you know, I was nobody, just a student uh, with no money. And then I went to a credit union, and then she was very supportive. And then I, I showed her the numbers, and it was cash flow positive. I think it was generating like $250 in net cash flow, something like that. It was a eight-unit uh, multifamily uh, apartment in a very not-so-good part of town and um so that so that's uh, that's what we did and then she looked at that and i said well it makes sense uh you've covered uh, that you have contingency uh funds in there that's in your budget and all of that so everything looks good so i'm gonna go and uh i would i wouldn't mind submitting that to the board and then see if they approved your your application so I said okay yes, that sounds good and she said well i need she needed a check for 75 dollars for the application fee and uh, so I, re- I still remember writing that check because i only had a hundred dollars in the bank uh, for the rest of the month so writing that check meant that um, i'd have to beg for food somewhere uh, but um, yeah so i wrote the check 75 dollars and I had the, you know, the mortgage was approved and we were able to close in the, the week or two uh, later. So that was great. So that's kind of my story um, on that real estate part of it. And then once we I got this property, then that money, um, you know, that cash flow was uh, was working great. And uh, really, you know, that, that was pretty good experience in general. Um, and we can talk a little bit later about uh, kind of like what I could have done differently and stuff like that. But... The key is that it was, uh, we talked about comfort zone. This was really, as you can imagine, as far out of my comfort zone as it could be. This is an 18, I, mean, I was like, what, 18, 6, 17? I don't, I don't remember. But um, first, second year of university. And then I was, uh, you know, I hadn't bought anything yet. I'd never even buy a car, uh, never had a loan or anything like that and now i I was the proud owner of an eight unit multifamily property that was generating cash flow so definitely out of my comfort zone and what really helped in all of this is my mentor because uh first of all by telling me that uh you know when everybody's telling you ah you know this you can't find that that's that's impossible that doesn't exist and uh you know, then he would tell me. He said, "Well, no, no, this it is possible." Blah blah blah, and then uh, he would offer me some additional options and and things to look at, etc. But he basically kept me going uh, into looking, continuing to look through that big binders. I think there was two big binders of uh, of MLS listings that I had to to go through. So just kind of, uh, I would say encouragement in a difficult situation. I mean, this is what he brought uh, uh, to me, I think. Also being able to help me kind of uh, solve solve problems, and on my own, I would be the one solving the problems, but he would be kind of uh, guiding and say, well, you know, have you looked at that? Have you looked at this? What about this? Think of this. Think of it this way, etc. So he would really try to make me uh, think more and differently about the problems that I was facing. Uh, what else uh, did he help me with? Uh, and then, the, yeah, the other thing too is really about when we get out of that comfort zone, is uh, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> it's uncomfortable, uh, but uh, you know, it's it's nice to have a a voice and somebody that's uh, kind of beside you and tells you, no, this is okay, because if, uh, kind of like play what if scenario, what if they don't do that? And what if they don't accept this? And what, well, they would say, well, that's it. You you just lose your 75 bucks. And what if this and this, you know? And then you realize that there's all the fears that you had about the unknown, about the fact that you're in an uncomfortable situation it just raises a lot of fears and a lot of uh, risk and what if scenarios and a lot of the time you kind of have to list them down and say okay what if this happens and then you know and then kind of look at it very objectively and often you're going to realize that it's not that bad that your worst case scenario is not that bad but it's still you still have fear it doesn't it doesn't remove the fear it just uh, changes it slightly, and you have to go and push through um, to to get it done. Then, uh, eventually, after a while, you know it's very it, it becomes a very uh, very common, very comfortable, and you know you don't even think about it. But it takes you know takes a while to get it done. So um, so that's right. So having a mentor, like I mentioned, so means that you have someone that encourages you. You know and confirms that kind of confirms that you're on the right path Um, so it's kind of a coach in a way helping you do things a little bit better maybe help you solve problems and then reduce that fear and walk you through the process so that you know that's also part of the fear is to kind of walk you through the process having an understanding of what's going to come next what other things you need to look at so you know this is kind of the idea and hopefully uh, this podcast is going to help you uh, with that um, there are some uh, there are definitely some of the the people that uh, i intend to interview uh, are doing things that i'm not familiar with and i'm going to ask a lot of questions and you're going to be welcome to ask questions as well but uh, to really um, to really do do these businesses and some of them i'm going to be uh, i'm going to be doing them as well so i'm going to probably invest some monies in some of these businesses and see you know, what happens with that. But, um, so we'll see. Um, so what else do I have? Um, yeah. So, so these skills that I learned from my mentor, then I was able to, uh, basically use them not only in real estate investment, which is what, where he was mainly focused, but he, I, I use them every, everywhere in every other businesses that I do. And also about the habits that he had. Where uh, he would, you know, wake up pretty early in the morning, and then just sit down, and then think about what needed to be done, what problems need to be solved, and he had a goal every day on what needed to be accomplished, and he would go one step every day, one step forward, and uh, you know, and he uh, he did some amazing things. I think with especially with the resources that he had when he started on the salary of a of a simple. Junior college uh, teacher. Um, so over the years, I created multiple multiple companies, uh, some consulting, I mean, uh, consulting companies, other types of uh, of companies as well, where the focus was when I created them, where the focus was to to generate passive income and how to how to do that. And we'll talk about some of these companies and uh, where they are today. And um, there's also going to be a lot of lessons learned in in those uh, for these companies, right? So, so that way you can kind of leverage what we've learned with these companies and uh, do them yourself, do them better, uh, and then uh, not step in the same uh, puddles that we stepped into. Uh, About, but then, uh, so that was kind of like the history. But uh, about 10 years ago, uh, so my focus uh, really uh, changed, or I became more focused, I don't know. Uh, one or the other um, and the focus was really on the passive income I had fo- really focusing on that i had done a lot of investment in the stock market uh it was you know going well and doing good returns but i had to actively you know look at the stock market every day do trades every day and it's just a little bit uh you know this is another it's a job really so really uh focusing on passive income and the drivers for me for the for the passive income was to have more flexibility i mean i do uh, a lot of consulting i do um, you know presentations etc and talks and uh, but having the flexibility to basically uh you know, go on vacation for six months or three months and then not having to worry and still have money uh, coming in. So that was the big driver for, for this, having the flexibility. Um, and then also participating in uh, in joint ventures. So for example, one of the joint ventures that uh, I'm working on right now, which will launch in September, um, you know, I've, I wouldn't be able to do it if I didn't have the safety net of, of passive income. So that's that's one aspect of it. So the other thing is, uh, creating a, that safety net is not just for me. It's a safety net and a passive income that's generated for the entire family. So, um, so that, this is great. So if I pass away, uh, I don't need insurance. I know that my family is going to have passive income, uh, from, uh, from the companies and from the, the rental properties that we have. Um, so that this is great if I become injured or if I crippled or uh, maybe that's not the right term, but uh, handicapped from some sort and I can't work anymore. Uh, then, you know, I have the same safety net. So, you know, the passive, I know that the passive income is going to continue to come in. So that's the that's the driver there. And then uh, the other key is leaving a legacy for my for my children. Um, there's uh, when. when My parents mentality was that their money was their money and then they would spend all their money by the time they're dead so don't count on any inheritance and all of that and i kind of believed that for most of my life but now i certainly don't believe it Uh, and i don't believe it because i'm looking at the future And I'm saying that the future is going to be a lot more difficult to my children and their children than it was, uh, than how difficult it was for me. So I'm just looking at the cost of education here. When I went to university, a a trimester, a trimester was, or a semester was like $500 with the books. So, and here, you know, the whole year, so that's $1,000 a year for university, Right in Montreal and then but here as you know in uh, in the U.S., you know 25 30 50 sixty thousand dollars a year uh, in university is uh, is common so so I knew and if the trend continues I mean my my grandkids won't be able to afford university I mean it's going to be impossible um, so that's kind of uh, this is the idea here leaving a legacy for my children. I don't want, why would I want my kids to go back to gr- ground zero and start from scratch? You know, why not leverage what I have, the assets, the knowledge and all in the, uh, and the expertise that I have in the time that I have to build a legacy, to build a company and have them involved in that company and in um, uh, that business and grow it so that when I'm gone. Then they just continue on with uh, with the business. They grow it further, and um, you know, the, to me, that's uh, and they know how to um, to manage it because they've been part of the of the business since uh, its inception almost. <clears throat> so that's kind of um, these are my ca- three drivers really around the passive income. So the more flexibility, obviously, because I want to travel, I want to have, uh, I want to see the world a little bit more um i was pretty lucky in the past and now i want to do uh i want to do some more more of that um so that's kind of where we are with that um and that's what i wanted to touch on in this particular podcast uh in the future in the next podcast and what we're going to do in the, the next future of podcast is going to be again about achieving financial freedom um and um what I want to do is, uh, what I want you to think about is about uh, your goals. Why, are you, why do you want to achieve uh, financial freedom? And then uh, look at your expenses. How much uh, expenses do you need to live on your passive income? So you can look at your current expenses and say well you know i I would move to another place if i didn't have this job or i would do this i would do that my expenses would be lower but then i would uh i would also travel more i would spend more money on other things so create a budget uh, where your expenses uh, for um for your future life with uh financial freedom And then we're going to kind of draw a line between the two or you'll draw a line between the two to figure that out. Um, So that's kind of what we have uh, for today. And uh, if you have any questions, feel free. So if you're on YouTube, then you can go uh, down below leave your comments. You can send me a message, as I mentioned, on Facebook, uh, you know, break away from the rat race and uh, yeah leave comments let me know how it is and uh, if you have any specific questions topics if you have great stories that you want to tell uh positive or negative that people can learn from uh, feel free to share with the community and uh, and send, send me your your information maybe I'll, I'll interview you i'll interview you to uh so that uh, our listeners can learn from your experience positive or negative um so there we go all right so have a good day thank you for listening to break away from the rat race with your host eric martel if you want to share your story and experience with our listeners please message us on facebook at break away from the rat race also please subscribe to our youtube channel and our podcast on itunes